and then I got my laptop <laughs> or my, my iPad with the notes. My goodness. You know, is this... Is this, is, yeah, I mean, well, you know, the, the, the old school pastors, man, I mean, they just had it all memorized. They all, they did, all they had was the Bible, you know, maybe sometimes uh, technology can convolute things a little bit, but nonetheless, I'm grateful for the access to these, uh, these tools that we could use at our disposal. I beg your pardon. Um, so as it's been said, we're, um. No, there's a lot going on, right? There's a lot going on right now. Um, I was talking to Sal this morning before we prayed uh, over this service. And, uh, you know, it's easier, easy, excuse me, to become enamored with all the different things and the various opinions. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest. We're, me and my wife are in that same boat as, you know, Kalos is, uh, you know, going to go back to school uh, looking like that. Now, we still have some praying and, and talking about how all that is going to be resolved uh, you know, with this whole Delta variant, and then you hear all these different things, and this and that, and you know, um, you know, children under 12 unable to get the vaccine, and people that are not vaccinated, and how it's spreading like wildfire, this and that, and uh, it's so easy to get lost in that. When the reality is, what does Philippians 4:6 say? Worry about nothing, pray about everything. And if there's something that's concerning to you. You know, our our response as believers in Christ is we should bring these things uh, before the Lord, right? And not hold them in and not try to weigh things out based on man's wisdom. Because uh, man's wisdom, we know, again, is folly to the Lord. And the Lord allows things to happen. And if we ask for wisdom, if, if we ask for, for answers, He'll give us the answers that are pertinent to what we need to know and from there, we can make an informed decision. And so I hope wherever you're at, uh, maybe it may be nothing in regards to uh, the pandemic, but just in general life, maybe you're in a situation right now where you're seeking wisdom, where you need to know what to do. First and foremost, go to God. <laughs> get in the word, get on your knees before the Lord, and uh, he will give you everything you need. He'll give you the wisdom that you need to make an informed decision about any topic in life. Amen. The word is changeless and, 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 you know, everything we need to know is in there. And so I'm grateful that we have uh, the Lord to uh, rely on in times of difficulty, in times of maybe we just don't know what to do. That's okay. That's okay to not have the answers. And again, go to him. He'll give you the wisdom you need. All right. Um, we're going to wrap up our two-part series this morning uh, entitled The Whole Armor of God. We, uh, we spent an extensive amount of time last week just focusing on the first two verses because, again, there's so much rich truth in uh, being able to take up the full armor of God, what that means. Obviously, again, it, 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 there's, there's figurative language to it, but it's practical as well. But you can uh, translate the armor of God to the whole person, the full person of Jesus Christ, right? And, and, and having on Jesus, having on the new man, the second Adam, is the only way you and I will be able to withstand uh, the day of evil. 
um, and to be able to stand firm. Right now, again, we're, we're in a, a time and period in our, our culture where uh, things are being divided. Uh, this was several years ago, but one of the, the most uh, prominent uh, denominations in our country, there's been a split. There's been a split. There's been a split. I think it was 53-43 in favor of taking away uh, gay pastors from the ministry. Even though that's a good thing, the question remains, why was there such a small gap there? You know, as far as why wasn't it so widespread? Why, why, why are so many people beginning to say it's okay? It's okay if uh, we can go against the word of God and expect the Lord to, to honor uh, our, our actions. Now, th- again, this is never to attack communities that are choosing to live that way. We're all sinners. Anyone that's of that movement is welcome uh, to this church, but uh, we will stand on the Word of God and proclaim the truth of what the Word of God says, and that lifestyle is, is, is not good. Uh, all sin is an abomination. That sin is an abomination as well. You cannot procreate living in that lifestyle. It's a sinful lifestyle. And so it just struck me as, as very uh, odd. And I guess I shouldn't think that way because these are signs of the time. These are signs of the last days. We know the last days pertain to uh, the time once Jesus left. So the last days have been a whole long time. Sometimes some people make a whole big deal of the last days and they came out with movies back in the 80s with Kirk Cameron or maybe it was the 90s about all this and that. And I'm not saying that's bad, but what I'm saying is the last days have been ever since Jesus left. But be sure that these are perilous times we're living in and you just have to have a little bit of discernment from the Holy Spirit to sense that uh, there are changes, there are things going on and the climate is showing that uh, more ungodliness is becoming readily acceptable as it should not be. We should be those who take a stand for righteousness and call uh, sin what it is in order that we may be used to, uh, Lord willing, redirect people uh, and help them to see the error in their ways and that they could uh, get right with the Lord. For if not, the wrath to come is not something that uh, I, we should wish on anybody because it's not going to be good. All right, um, with that, we are in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Uh, We're going to be going through verses uh, 13 through 18. So please, uh, if you have your Bibles, mobile devices, if you don't, we're starting to use these screens too. It's so funny because it's like, well, (laughs) people would have to look over this way and it's kind of like, you know, crooked in your chair. But either way, um, you know, if you have your Bible, if you don't, we'll have it on the screen. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be reading from, again, verses 13 down to 18. I'll go ahead and pray after that and then we'll get into our text. And uh, again, just so grateful to be able to uh, hear from the Lord and know that we are being guided in wisdom and in truth from Him. Okay, so let's go ahead and begin. And it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit 
with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this timely reminder of the spiritual warfare that we are going to incur. Or these things are certain. It's not a suggestion. These are things that happen on a daily basis. May you help us to put on the full armor of God and keep it on. Uh, May that have been so once we uh, became converted and were saved, that we keep on the new man, Jesus Christ. And show us, Lord, today how we can practically uh, put these pieces of armor into practice. May we uh, be guarded in all truth. May we uh, be fastened with the the shoes of the gospel, the breastplate of righteousness, uh, never taking off the helmet of salvation, utilizing the sword of the Spirit well to be good soldiers in the fight for your kingdom. So, Father, again, please may you help us to rightfully divide your word. May you give us the wisdom to actually apply these things to our lives so it would not just be mere hearsay or just rhetoric, but it's actually active and a verb, something that we live out on a daily basis. So, Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Thank you, church. may be seated. Again, so last week we learned that uh, we are able to be strong in Jesus Christ and in all his might. This is, this is a, a great blessing and a privilege that children of God have. The ability to be strong in Jesus Christ and in his might. That is uh, very important. Without that foundation, there is no way that you and I will be able to be effective in our Christian walk. We will be rendered ineffective. Because we will be working out of our own understanding, our own strength, our own righteousness, and that's never a good thing. The Lord Jesus Christ will go before us. He will fight our battles against Satan. And it's because of what He has done with His righteousness, Him and His strength and His wisdom and His might. And this is very important for us to remember and to never, this should never, this should, this should be another principle of the Christian life that should never get old to us. The more we become aware of who Christ is in His glory that He allows us to see in this part of life, I mean, it should evoke Uh, just a a gratefulness and energize your spirit knowing that you have this at your disposal at any moment of the day, every second of your life. We learn that the battles we face are spiritual. They're not physical. You see, man in our carnality, women too, humanity, we tend to base everything on what we see, right? Right? We, we base it on what we see. This is why uh, nations still to this day war against one another. And they're fighting for what they can see, what they can smell, what they can touch, be it the natural resources, right? What is the fight over in the Middle East? Largely, it has a lot to do with the resources other than uh, the, the, the other applications about the holy grounds. But still, these are all physical things. And we're fighting and bickering uh, in households. Many times fights and arguments occur because what has been manifested in the physical and we take it that way. The reality is everything in the spiritual realm will manifest itself in the physical. So spiritual things are brought to light in the physical. We can see this to be true. 
So that means things that happen in the physical aren't just random. There are no coinky dinks. It didn't just happen to happen. But but the 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 circumstances that we find ourselves in are based on spiritual things. They are allowed by the Lord that we may exercise our faith and grow in Christ. Today we will learn what it looks like to actually to actually do it, right? Because we hear a lot. You hear a lot about the, 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 the armor of God, but we will learn how to actually and, and practically fight this spiritual battle rooted in Jesus Christ as our foundation, as our strong tower, as our mighty fortress, as the one who we go to, who we cling to, to protect us. We can see how we can actually and practically do this and be victorious in Him on a daily basis. There are several main points this morning, and the first one is this. And, and, and this is key. Think without this principle, you have no ability to even begin to be active with the armor of God. Recognizing truth, absolute truth, from falsehood is essential in living a victorious life in Jesus Christ. As we will see, uh, the very first foundational piece of armor that's mentioned in this passage is the belt of truth. The belt of truth. All the other pieces of armor are connected to this belt of truth. You see, without truly, without truly understanding and acknowledging absolute truth, People will always be able to justify their uh, opinions, their ideas of truth, relative truth, or their sinful actions. And, and, you, and you really, when you boil it down, all those different terms all boil down to sinful actions. Without the acknowledgement of absolute truth, we can always justify what we're doing. We can always justify, well, this works for me. This may not work for you, but in my certain particular situation, this is okay. And I feel okay about it because I'm not, I'm not concerned about it because I don't believe this. That's turning a blind eye to absolute truth. That doesn't mean that absolute truth doesn't exist. That just means we turned a blind eye to it. That's like saying the loop doesn't exist. It exists, but I could just say in my mind, I will not acknowledge it. And, and so it's going to go away. That's like saying the, di- the doctor diagnosed me with stage four cancer, but I'm, 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 I'm reluctant to believe what the doctor says. And so I'm going to purpose in my mind that I don't have cancer and that my wishful thinking, my positive thinking is going to make my situation better. No, you have stage four cancer and you can either choose to face it head on or you can turn a blind eye to it and allow it to riddle away your body day by day, little by little. You see, Jesus Christ and Him, who He is, His personhood, His character, He is absolute truth. He is the definition of absolute truth. That's very hard for many people to swallow. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. They believe that is an opinion of the Christian faith. But again, try the Lord and see that He is good. That's what I would say to those who oppose that belief. When a person's life is not rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, 
The reality is anything goes. It's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. However I feel, goes. We look at the old culture. We look at the old culture of, of the Romans and how they lived and how uh, sensuality ruled that culture hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. We see this same thing going on in our own atmosphere, in our own country. Sensuality. And I'm not talking specifically about uh, sexual things. I'm speaking of anything that has to do with the carnal desire. Remember, the battle we fight is not a physical battle, but spiritual things manifest themselves in the physical. And many times we tend to be after everything we see, everything we can touch, everything we can smell, everything we can sense. And it all has to do with gratifying this carnal desire within us. And unfortunately, even as Christians, we can find ourselves easily wooed by these things if we don't keep that carnal nature in check. And again, you can't do it apart from Jesus Christ being your Savior and your Lord. That's where conviction takes place. And when you start to, oh, getting, <laughs> you'll get convicted. And you'll be like, oh, okay, I really shouldn't go there. Or I don't need, I always talk about that, that sweater. I didn't get that sweater. I got another sweater recently. It was a little bit cheaper, about the same price, but I got it. I felt, I felt uh, comfortable getting it. It was my free will to get it. But nonetheless, these things get out of whack when we don't let the Holy Spirit govern our lives. When we don't look to the absolute truth of who Jesus Christ is to speak into our lives, to identify where we are and where we should be. I'm sure many of you already know that because you've lived lives where there was a portion of your life, there was a season of your life where you were walking totally contrary to the Word of God and you didn't have to be shacking up with somebody or shooting yourself up with some kind of substance or drinking yourself till your liver was going to fall off to be lost in sensuality. It's anything that we put an esteem over God and look to that to gratify us and to satisfy us that is gratifying our sensual carnal nature. And this is what happens when we do not walk in absolute truth when we don't acknowledge absolute truth that is in Jesus Christ. Again, this is where the term relative truth comes from. And this is the deception from Satan. This is falsehood dressed up as truth. You know, even with news outlets and information that's funneled through the media, you know that we actually really have to dig into unearth truth. It's not just given to us Right there, it's not given to us handed on a platter. You have to search and search and search, and you have to look through the internet, and sometimes that can become a rabbit hole. And a lot of parents, again, I'll use that example, a lot of parents are in heightened anxiety because they don't know what to do. They feel, they're, they feel as if they're forced to white-knuckle it, and, and, and they're having to pick between, do I allow my child to go where they could be exposed to this Delta virus that could put them on a respirator? Or do I, uh, do I chance their mental health and uh, allow them to be on a screen for another school year? It's very difficult for, uh, for parents of young children because these are the things that they're, 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 they're having to choose. And there is no easy solution. There is no easy answer. But that's where 
trusting in the Lord comes into play. And praise God for the Christian parents that are at least able to pray and figure out what is it we're supposed to do. You see, but with absolute truth, you have the foundation to base everything else off of. When you have the foundational truth, when you have full access, when you can be unhindered by the wedge of sin in your life, you have full access between you and God, and He is absolute truth. You'll be able to uh, use that truth, that absolute truth, to base all of the decisions of your life off of. And this is where we see the armor of God come into play. The armor of God is Jesus Christ. And so because the armor of God is, is linked directly to Jesus Christ, absolute truth is rooted in Him. He is our guiding force. And that's why we take orders from the chief officer in command, which is Jesus Christ. And this is why the Bible and understanding the Word of God and taking the principles of God's Word and applying them to your life on a daily basis is so important. It's so important. Every decision that you make should be based off the founding principles of the Bible. That's the way your life should work in order. That's the way your life was meant to be lived. That's the way you can have liberty and freedom and joy is by going to the Word of God and funneling everything that goes on in your life through the book and not through man's thinking, not through your own understanding. When we funnel things through our own understanding, many times we make foolish decisions simply because we don't know the best thing to do. We may feel, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, I feel this and I feel that. Well, you know, your feelings don't necessarily tell the truth. Feelings have their place. But many times feelings by themselves can be deceiving, can be very deceiving. And if you don't rationalize what you do with the absolute truth of God and you go solely based on what you feel, many times you will put yourself in a conundrum that you could have avoided had you come before the Lord and just asked him, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What is the best decision I can make to honor you and do my best to stand upright before men and women of this world? All right, the second main point is this. All soldiers in war are always fully equipped, ready for battle. If there's any people that have served in military that are in this room, you know what I'm talking about. If, if there's any people who have family members that have served in the military, you understand this to be true. If you're into history and military history, you would understand and know this to be true. You see, soldiers in war don't take days off. There is no, oh, it's 5.30, I get to punch out. You might change shifts, and you might be able to rest a little bit while someone else is watching on guarding over you, making sure you don't get bombed, making sure uh, bullet holes don't get riddled through your barracks. But a true soldier of war never takes days off. They don't just walk away in the heat of the battle. They can't. Their duty is done when the battle is over. When the war is over, they can settle. They are always ready 
at any moment to engage, to engage, excuse me, with the enemy. Just picture a soldier sleeping in a foxhole. I always think of like Platoon, you know, one of those old war movies. I remember seeing that when I was a, a, young, a young kid. Crazy. Crazy. They're asleep in a foxhole, but their boots are strapped up. They have their rifle or whatever their choice weaponry is strapped across their chest. Their helmet is on and they're ready. They're ready to engage at any moment. At any moment when they wake up, they are suited and booted, ready to go, ready to continue the mission they have. This is how we are to be spiritually as the church. There are no off days. There are no off days in the Christian life. I'm sorry to tell you that. There are no off days. The moment you and I turn our backs on Satan, he at that point has the advantage against you and I. The minute you think that he is not on the attack, I'm not telling you to to live in a hyperactive way where there's a demon behind every corner. No, that's, that's, that's foolishness to live like that. What I'm saying is to be aware and to be conscious that there is a spiritual battle that you are engaged in every moment of your life. That Satan goes before God the Father night and day accusing the brethren. And just like Job, he's partitioning or petitioning to the Lord, may I have him? May I have Scott Britton? May I have Sal? So that I may uh, show you that they will mock you to your face. Don't think that Satan's not doing that. He's constantly doing that. And the more that you dig into the Lord and trust in Him, the more you become a threat, not really to Him, but to other potential people that could potentially be saved. And that's one less person that he could drag to hell. And so he is going to try and throw a monkey wrench in everything you do. Many times, quarrels and fights, sometimes there's a base for them in marriages. Other times, they're baseless. They're just a difference of opinion, a difference of seeing things. No one was being malicious. Why do you think those things happen? If Satan can break up the grounds of the home, well... He's got the husband, the wife. If they have young children, he's got those children too. So, again, spiritual things manifest themselves in the physical. We are to guard our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus regularly, every day. It it, it, it needs to become a lifestyle, habitual, just like it was uh, habitual to get up and do certain things before we were saved. It should now become second nature to get up and pray, get up and hear a message. Or, I mean, we live again, the beauty of technology, you don't even have to read the word. All you have to do is go on uh, one place and you can hear all these great pastors. Or if you don't want to hear pastors because you're like, well, I don't know. I don't really want their opinions. I just want to hear the word of God. Just download the Bible app. Let the Bible app play. The audio will play. You can cook, clean, do whatever you got to do. And you can just be hearing the word of God. My goodness, there's no excuse for this generation. How much more are you and I going to be held accountable when we go before the Bema seat 
And the Lord says, what did you do with my son? I gave you every and any opportunity. Did you take it? Did you do it for your own life? If we won't even create a regimen for our own lives, how are we even going to have a concern or care for those who are perishing right beside us? The reality is we won't. And so, there's something that we must do on our part. Responding to the good news of the gospel. And this has everything to do with being a soldier in the kingdom of God. I'm not fanatical. I'm not over the top. This is real. When you start maturing in Christ, you understand these things and, 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 and it's, you get pumped up about it. That's why you can be older in years, crowned with the glory of gray hair, and still have vigor and strength. <laughs> Not of yourself, but because you're on fire. That's what the term on fire for the Lord comes from. You're on fire because you, you recognize the seriousness of what is going on. And you will not allow yourself to be the cause of someone else's downfall around you. You will do everything within your God-given power and the ability God gives you to make sure that you are blameless before the Lord and that you do what the Lord has called you to do for those around you. That's why we're all still here. That's the only reason we're all still here. Because the Lord has a purpose for you where you're at, in the family you're in, in the county you're in, in in the state you're in, in the country you're in, and He wants to do something in and through your life. That will bring much glory to him and it'll benefit you so greatly. And you'll be so liberated and freed. And you will experience day in and day out the majesty and the splendor of his glory here on earth. And can you even I can't even comprehend the fact that it's gonna be a trillion times greater than this in heaven. You know, it's gonna be so amazing. But we can experience that magnitude of his grandeur and and the glory he allows us to 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 to, to see of him now here on earth. But it's our choice. You have the free will choice. You can choose to engage or you can choose to say, ah, you know, it's not for me. I'd rather do something else. The third main point is this. If you want true victory in Jesus Christ, you must pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We are told that's what we are to do, to pray without ceasing. But you see, the key To pray without ceasing is to pray constantly in the Spirit of God. But you see how one might ask, how do you do that? How do how do do I pray without ceasing? That seems just unrealistic. How can I do that? Well, we know the Bible doesn't lie. The Lord does not set us up for failure. So this must be accessible and realistic for us as Christians. Does this mean we are constantly to be on our knees? Well, we know that's not practical. That's not realistic. Don't try to do that while you're driving. You're going to cause a big accident. It's not going to be good. Please don't close your eyes when you're driving and saying, I'm praying in Jesus' name. Because that is just, and the Bible says it, a translation says it, stupid. I know the other day, Veronica's like, don't say that to Kalos. But you know what? The Bible says it. Some people are acting stupid. And, and, and that, that would be something stupid. So don't, don't do that. But what, but what this does mean about praying constantly without ceasing in the Spirit is to be in close relationship with God. To be in close relationship. To have that union with God. Meaning at any point in the day, the Lord can speak into your life. That still small voice that you hear. That thing that He places upon your heart and allows you to sense something. 
That's that close relationship. And the other side of it is you and I are in a position to actually listen. <laughs> to actually hear. Oh I, oh, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. When we talked about this last week. We, we have to be able to discern unclean spirits from the Holy Spirit. Right? Because many times, all kind of voices come from all different angles. Have you ever had thoughts where you're like, what the heck? Where did that thought come? I'm not even thinking about that. What is that? Weird Miss the craziness. I don't want that popping in my head. That's an unclean spirit. That's some satanic spirit trying to, ink, 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 you know. And if you're not rooted and grounded in Christ, you're gonna be like, hum, diddy, dum. Let me just go along with it. It's like, no, like, dude, I rebuke that in Jesus Christ's name. That's not my heart anymore. That's not what I want. That's not what I want to see, right? This is so real, but this is, this is where we are at with this whole thing of, uh, of praying in the Spirit. Being able to hear from God, being able to listen to God, having communion, communion, common union. That's what that means, a common union between the Creator and His creation. We have that common union amongst one another, and we can speak to Him now, and He will hear us. He may not answer the way we want, <laughs> But he will for sure hear you because you are a child of the Most High. You are his child, which he loves. And so he will hear from you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18 tell us, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now what it doesn't mean is, Give thanks for the circumstances that they suck, but it's be thankful that in those sucky circumstances, Jesus is walking or literally carrying you through the difficult times. Now, again, I couldn't imagine being a parent where, you know, they're like, man, I, I mean, I'm a single parent or, or both parents work and I don't have an option of having a family member to take care of this child and they sent their child off and they ended up getting sick and they died during this pandemic. Oh, how horrible is that? How, how, how much guilt must that parent feel that they, were, they gave their child over to this? But again, it's only the Lord that could carry that parent and that family through that difficult circumstance of, that's just crazy. You wouldn't wish that, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. But these things happen. You know, a lot of you know, a lot of people take lightly these certain things that occur because it hasn't happened to us. But the reality is there are people every day that are walking through difficult circumstances like that. But it's only the Lord that can help us through those difficult times and that's what 1 Thessalonians is talking about. That Jesus Christ will get you through it. Don't thank him for the circumstance, thank him that he's walking with you through the difficult circumstances of life. When we start to take serious our offensive and defensive position in prayer, that is when we will begin to see true victory. That is when we will begin to see true change in our lives, understanding that we have a part to play and we, we must deliver on our end. We cannot be slothful in the area of prayer and expect for miracles and breakthroughs to occur in our life. It just doesn't work. You know, we all, I believe, uh, can be challenged in that area to pray more and to take prayer serious. 
but at the same time it's not legalistic you don't need to be like a buddhist monk go in the hills hide away for three months and say you're seeking the lord because that's not reality but he says pray without ceasing that's that relationship again right it's not about the works because all that stuff is work based if i do if i do if i do it's not god's like dude i don't even want you to do that i want you to have a relationship with me i want it to be genuine i want it to be real i want to be able to speak into your life and you hear me and you obey because you know it's the right thing to do because i'm almighty god speaking of him that's what it's about Right. That's that common union that we should all be striving for in the sense of we want to know more of him. Lord, reveal to me who you are. Reveal to me your truth. Reveal to me your wisdom. Show me how I can apply this to my life that I may know you better. That's what Moses prayed. Look at how mighty Moses was used. All the the, the older prophets of the old. That's what they prayed because they wanted to know God more. Do you want to know God more today? That's how you can know God more. It's by just being honest with them and asking him to speak into your life. And then he'll show you. He'll speak. And then we just need to be obedient. It's a trip because it's the same thing that we try to teach our children. <laughs> try to teach our children right from wrong. We show them the pitfalls and why they shouldn't go that way, the benefits of going the right way, and then we expect them to learn and be obedient. It's the same thing for us as him, as the father, and us as children. All right. Let's move into these verses now. So Ephesians, excuse me, there's no eversion or diversion here. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. All right. So first we see, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Paul introduced this idea back in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. In this following passage, he details the specific items related to the armor of God. He's very simply stating here that the main purpose of spiritual warfare is to be victorious in Christ and to have on Christ, to have on this armor of God. He says that you may be able, that you may be able. Him stating that means that if you don't do what he says, you're not going to be able (laughs) You are going to be unable. I will be unable to stand firm if I'm not rooted in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57 tells us, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, it can't be any plainer. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be going to seminary, getting a master's in theology to understand that. But you do have to have the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. But once it's revealed to you, okay, gosh, thanks be to God. I should have a hard Thanksgiving because my victory is rooted in Jesus Christ. Man, that's so powerful. Man, that's so liberating. You don't don't have to be working for this victory. This victory is yours. Do you want it? Then want Christ. Desire Jesus. And maybe today you're struggling with that. Then you say, Lord, please give me the desires of your heart. Help me to desire you. Help me to forsake my flesh. Help me to forsake my carnal ways. We all struggle with it from time to time. Nobody can be real for you before the Lord but you. If you're unwilling to be raw with him, 
I mean, that's what the, the Bible talks about when the Holy Spirit within us is groaning, oh, just craziness. And you're like, you know, you're profusely crying and you can't explain it. That's that communication between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. That's that rawness, that realness, right? I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. When you, or whatever your prayer closet looks like, when you and the Lord are together and there's no one else, and you cannot fake it. Whatever that is you're going you cannot fake it. That's just the real, that's just as real as it gets. And he knows where you're at. He knows where I'm at. So the best thing is just to be honest. Don't, don't try to hide it. Don't try to play tough man or tough woman. It doesn't, doesn't get me. I'm okay. No, it's okay to say, you know, it got me. <laughs> and I'm hurting right now. And I'm struggling. And I need help, Lord, because I'm weak. You see, some people, they don't want to admit they're weak. Even Christians. Oh, I'm not weak. Okay, well then, man, you ain't experiencing grace and mercy if, you, if you're strong. You're standing on your own strength? No wonder why, no wonder why you're the way you are. You're just standing on your own strength. You know, what did Paul say? I boast. I boast all the more of my weakness because I know that the Lord is going to, you know, fill me. And I'm going to be filled with Him because I know I'm weak. I'll, I'll be quick to admit I'm weak. And that's not to be over-spiritual. That's just to say, recognizing the error in my ways, recognizing apart from Christ, I can't do it. But what did that verse just say? Thanks be to God, because the victory I have is in Jesus Christ. Man! I mean, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful stuff right there. He says that, with this, with this understanding of your victory rooted in Jesus Christ, you will be able to withstand in the evil day. You will be able to stand despite all the wickedness around you, despite all of the craziness going on in everyday life, in every sector of life. You know, just turn, again, turn it on the news. My gosh, I don't know if it's just by choice to try to mess people up or keep people frozen like a deer in the headlights. But, I mean, there's just a lot of just bad stuff being reported. A lot, a lot, a lot of bad stuff going on. And that can enamor you and cause you to be paralyzed and to live your life in constant fear and have no hope for the future. It's horrible for an individual that's for the most part healthy, physically at least that is, to put a potential cap on their life and saying, I, I would want to be dead by this time. What? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Because your heart and your mind is darkened to the things of God. And deep down inside, you're desperate and you're longing for something else. So you're saying, I, I only want to be here so long. I'm not saying that we should want to live on earth forever. But the Bible is clear that every day is a blessing. And so shouldn't you make the most of every day, of every opportunity? You know, I, 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 um, you know, I send my mom these verses every morning like I do to the men. And, and she, you know, she responds most of the time. But she responded uniquely one day this week and said, find joy in, in all that you do. And, you know, I don't know if that's biblical per se, but knowing where she is in her life, that meant a lot to me. Find joy in everything that you do today. In all that you do, find joy. How can you be in the position to find joy in everything you do in your life unless you're rooted in Christ? 
you know, going back to that idea of I'm not saying I want to live here forever, but I'm going to make the best use of every day that I'm given. And I pray that, Lord willing, he would give me time to be able to see my children grow, to be grown up. And maybe I could marry my daughter if she chooses to get married. That would be pretty cool. Who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll be like Enoch and we'll be out. That's even better. You know, take me. Let's go. <laughs> we'll be out of here. That's fine. My, wife, my, my daughter don't have to marry nobody and I won't have to deal with any of that. Daddy won't, daddy won't have to bring a shotgun to the wedding. No, I'm just playing. But, um, you know, in, in, in any event, having done all to stand rooted in Christ, this describes the purpose for the strength of God and the armor of God, what we are to use them for. The application is this. God has given his people a call and a mission to fulfill. And, and, and due to that mission we are given, Satan will do all he can to stop it. We, we briefly touched on this a minute ago in the introduction. Uh, when he attacks, he attacks to intimidate us. But we are to stand. We are to stand despite his, in, his acts of intimidation. Uh, it, it is plain to see that Paul's emphasis uh, here is again for us to be rooted in Christ, to be victorious in Christ. We do the Lord's work and we stand against every bit of spiritual opposition. You see, God gives the Christian a glorious standing to, ma- to maintain by faith and to have victory in spiritual warfare. <clears throat> There's a few verses I'm just going to rattle off. I'm not going to read them per, per se, but I'll tell you where they are and you can jot them down for your, for your own study and for your own pleasure uh, if you feel the desire to. Romans chapter 5 verse 2 tells us that we are to stand in grace. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 tells us we are to stand in the gospel. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13 tells us we are to stand in courage and in strength. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24 says we are to stand in faith. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 tells us we are to stand in Christian liberty. I can go on and on. <laughs> you get the picture, right? The Word of God is telling us that we are to stand. And you look at that. Grace, good news, the gospel, courage and, uh, courage and strength, faith, liberty. That's all Jesus Christ. So again, I mean, I don't know how many different analogies we need, but God knows we're foolish sheep. So He gives us a plethora of ways to describe the same thing. That's how glorious our Lord is. Isn't that amazing? Right? That, that he's, he just finesses it so well. He just molds it and shapes it so well that he's given, you know, because we're all kind of different in our own way of understanding the, the truth of God, that he gives it to us where you cannot make, you got to make the distinction that this is Jesus. He's all talking about this stand in Christ. You see, we should stand perfect and complete in the will of God. Truth be told, there is a lot indicated in that one word stand. You see, Paul warns us that we are going to be attacked. We talked about this last week. Whether you want it or not, whether, you're, whether you think it's unfair or not, this is the Christian life. I mean, the only difference is before you were getting attacked, you didn't even realize it. You were probably so far gone that the, the enemy was like, well, this fool's already done. This woman's already done. I don't got to worry about them no more. They're already in my back pocket. They're going to hell. <laughs> they sold their soul to Satan. Whatever, you, whatever term you want to make, that's probably how bad it was. And so you didn't even recognize the spiritual opposition as it came to you. That's why, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, be, be drunk in the spirit. 
Don't be drunk with wine. Before we'd be drunk with wine, but now we're drunk in the spirit. Before we'd be cursing up a storm like a sailor. Now we're, you know, we're convicted when we start rattling off curse words because it's like you're not supposed to have that. You're supposed to be getting changed. Your heart's supposed to be getting rearranged. You're supposed to be getting sanctified. And in that sanctification process, things from the old nature begin to fall away. And you don't have a desire to live like that anymore. You don't want to go on those bad websites because you know you're like, that's not right. That's contrary to the word of God. I don't, I don't need to go gamble. I don't know, need to do those things. I don't need to go talk with the men at work the same way. I'm disgusted when they talk like pigs and they act in that way because I'm recognizing that I'm not made for that. I'm not made to live in that manner. This is not who I am called to be. I'm called out of that. I'm called out of this world, but I live in this world as a, rep- as a representation of a child of God to reflect the love of Jesus Christ to those around us. You start to see these things falling off because you're becoming perfect and complete in the will of God. There's a spiritual attack happening, whether we like it or not. But he also encourages us that we must not be frightened. I love 1 John 4, 4. I love that verse. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And 1 John 4, 13 as well. I think it's 13. Check me on that. It's 13 or 18. Perfect love casts out all fear. Oh, that's beautiful. Perfect love casts out all fear. Who's perfect love? Jesus Christ. He casts out all fear. He casts out all fear. The fear has to run. There's some Christian song that talks about that. The fear has to run. It has to go. I mean, that's great. That's for you. That's for me. Wherever you're at today, you don't have to live in fear because perfect love casts out all fear. He also tells us that we must not be half-hearted in the fight. Believe that you have the victory in Christ. Don't be like Eeyore. I guess. I guess I'm going to have victory. No, don't do that. Be confident in the Lord. Be confident in what He's done on the cross. Be confident in His finished work for you and for me. That you can rest in that and you can trust in that. It means that we are to act out our purpose and our position in him and be alert that means don't be asleep at the helm don't just don't just be spiritually blind to stuff be aware that there are things going on again things in the spiritual realm manifest themselves in the physical whether that be for bad or for good so be aware of these things he also told us that we should not give in and have a thought of retreating You stand your ground. You stand your ground on the rock of Jesus Christ. You don't retreat. The demons tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. I talked about this last week. That's why it's so important. Now, this is a personal conviction. may not be for you, but it's a personal conviction for me. That is why I end my prayers in Jesus Christ's name. I just don't say amen. I just don't say God. Because there's many gods. But the demons tremble at the name of Jesus Christ. And if you stamp and seal your request in the name of Jesus Christ, that unclean spirit has to go. In the Lord's time, may not be right then and there, but still it's in the, in the Lord's time, in the Lord's strength, and in the Lord's will. But it is Jesus Christ. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee, every tongue will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's so many names for Jesus, right? We, we can rattle off hundreds of names that are in the Word of God. But we know 
The name of Jesus Christ, that specific name has so much power. I mean, it's, that's why you hear people using it in vain. Because they're lost in darkness. They hit their thumb with the hammer. Ah! They're saying that. Or they say, GD, and do all this and that. Man, that, you know, when I understood what damn it meant, that is vicious. That means you're damning that thing to hell. Whoo! That's hardcore. You don't want that on your conscience. Once you understand the power. You see, a lot of times in our culture nowadays, we've lost the power of words. We've lost the value of words. We've lost the meaning of words. And how effective and offensive they can be. They can either lift you up or they can tear you down. Man, when I, when I understood what, what that whole thing meant, I was like, I don't want to say that. I don't even want to think to even go there. Because that place where someone is saying, damn, whatever, that's a place that was never meant for God's crown creation. It's only meant for those who chose to rebel and go with Lucifer and go be doing what they do because they were not content. So we don't want to we don't want to talk like that. That's again what I'm talking about. When once you experience that conviction and understand the, the light of what's being shown to you, you're like, I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be that person that's okay with saying these things and allowing these things into my heart. That's what I'm talking about, about spiritual warfare. Right now, this moment, there's spiritual warfare going on. Trust me. Be in this pulpit right now, there's spiritual warfare. It's only by the hedge of protection of God and the hand of God upon me that my mind can be laser-focused, allowed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to speak through me. But best believe there's warfare going on. And I'm sure later this afternoon you guys are going to experience some form of warfare. It doesn't have to be some boogeyman exorcist throwing up in your living room. But there's going to be some form of spiritual warfare going on. Because that's the reality of the life we live. Okay. Ephesians 6, 14 and 15. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as his shoes... And as shoes for your feet, put it on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Stand therefore. Okay, again, we can only stand when we're equipped with the armor that we have in Jesus Christ. Each aspect of this symbolic armor answers to a specific dynamic within this Christian life that we live. And it enables us, excuse me, to stand against spiritual attacks. You see, Paul was writing this as he would see Roman soldiers, right? Every four hours, changing the guard. And so he would see, oh, okay, you know, their equipment that they had. So it was easy for him to illustrate this as the Holy Spirit led him, right? In, in, in the order in which these pieces of armor are described is in which the, the order that the soldiers would normally put them on. And so he starts with, uh, around your waist, put on the belt of truth. Truth is symbolically represented as a belt. You see, which both protects your abdominal and gathers up all of your garments so that they can fit effectively. In reality, the belt is not necessarily a part of the armor, but again, it, it has to be put on and, and it keeps everything uh, together. Everything is fastened in the belt. Everything is fastened in that belt of truth. You see, a soldier might have every other part of the armor on. Oh, I got my helmet on. Oh, I got the sword. Oh, I got the shield. Oh, I got the breastplate. But I mean, if you don't, if you don't have the belt, it's not securely fitted to anything. All the other armor is rendered ineffective because he doesn't have this essential part on. You know, you see this trend, and it's been for a while. It's in more in urban areas. 
But these dudes are walking around butt cheek. I'm sorry, but their butts are hanging out. I'm not going to lie. There was a season of my life that I lived like that. That's not right. That's not right. It's, it's degrading. It's disrespectful. I think it comes from prison culture. It may come from, you know, I don't need to get into it, but it comes from prison culture and some other stuff that you don't ever want to be a part of. People being somebody else's pet and this and that. You know, it's not right. But again, spiritually speaking, spiritual things manifest themselves in the physical. Put your pants up. That's revealing something about your carnal nature. You're darkened. You're lost. We're glorifying that. People are winning Grammys, walking across the stage with their butt hanging out. It's not right. If you can't see the blatant disregard, then you're spiritually blind too. But that's just one example amongst millions. But we're just talking about that because we're talking about the belt of truth. The belt should hold your pants up. Keep your, ban- keep your pants on, people. You're able to move freely when you have the belt of truth on. The application is this. This is why it's so important to have a true understanding of who Jesus Christ is. If our perception of truth is wrong, the rest of the pieces of armor will, again, be rendered ineffective. You see, your victory in spiritual warfare is directly tied to your view of biblical truth. You have to understand the truth of the Bible as it is. Luke chapter 13, or excuse me, Luke chapter 12, verse 35 and 36 tells us, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. But that, that's only if you're dressed for truth. That's only if you're, you have the, the belt of truth on. You can't be ready for your master to come back. What did Jesus say? When he comes back, he wants his church spotless, without wrinkle. Get rid of the gossip. Get rid of the slander. Get rid of the, the, the lewd behavior. Get rid of the, the, the carnality. Allow him to come back and be ready to receive him. That's what that verse is talking about, really. Are we ready? See, people are always talking about Jesus come back, Jesus come back. Are you ready for him to come back? Are you ready for him to come back in the condition your heart is in this morning? Dare I say, he gives grace. He's slow. He's slow because he's like, man, I know my people need to get right. I know my people need to be more better prepared for when it's time to go to heaven. So he's like, I'm going to sanctify you some more. Stay on the potter's wheel. I'm going to still chip away. Trust me, I get it every day. He's like, dude, you're... Chip, 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 chip. I'm constantly being chipped at. I'm constantly being chipped at. And he uses my wife. You know? (laughs) But she's such a blessing to me. And I'm so grateful for her. You know? Need a helpmate. It's just... it's, it's, It's not possible for me to do what I need to do for the Lord if I didn't have my wife. So I'm grateful for her. The belt of truth is the part of the armor which is, again, foundational... To live upon all the time. This is our understanding and our confidence in basic doctrine of faith. Now we see having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is represented as a breastplate which provides essential protection to your most vital organs. You know you need your kidneys, you need your pancreas, you need your small intestines. All those, all those things that are all shoved in there somewhere. You need all that. You don't want no... Ugh, big old sword to get thrust into you and cut through your liver and your kidney and cut off your small intestines? How do you think that's going to feel? And that's just physically. 
We're talking spiritually. You don't want your vital organs to be getting hit and pierced by that sword from the enemy or a spear from the enemy. So you need to have on the breastplate of righteousness. Okay. Again, we are, we all, we, we, I believe we always talk about this in this church. This is not our righteousness. This is the righteousness of Christ. It's his righteousness that protects you. That's the breastplate of righteousness that you must have on. Do not walk into spiritual battle without the breastplate of righteousness. Because all your vital organs are going to get ripped apart. They're going to get ripped to shreds. You're going to be like those dudes, probably sagging, running out naked with their butts whooped. Talk about they tried to say in Jesus Christ's name it didn't work. Because they didn't have the fundamental truth of who Christ was. And they didn't, they didn't humbly submit to him. And so they got whooped up. If you're humbly submitted, you don't have to be concerned about getting whooped up. You're not going to get whooped up because it's his righteousness that's going before you. Oh, man, that's beautiful. His righteousness. I rest in his righteousness. His righteousness fights for me every day of my life. And I pray that be the same for you. Romans chapter 8 verse 37 tells us, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Man, you're more than a conqueror. I mean... If you need a pep talk, hopefully this is the pep talk you need to just keep you going. Because you're more than a conqueror in Christ who loves you. Man, that's beautiful. The breastplate of righteousness is your best defense against the sense of spiritual depression and gloom that comes against us. You see, because not all that stuff, like I said, it's not the exorcist. It's not all that stuff. But, oh, man. Oh, man, I'm just depressed. Oh, I just feel bad. Sometimes it's genuine and you just really go through those seasons of depression. You know, but it's that breastplate of righteousness that's going to keep you in line. And you'll be able to, to grieve through that, that, that season of depression. But the Lord will remind you who you are. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to live defeated every day of your life. You should be living victorious. When you feel depressed, get in the Word. Play a message. Play a worship song. Don't just sit there and stew in it. It's like, oh, I enjoy being depressed. Nobody likes being depressed, but have enough strength and fortitude to want to get out of your situation. You see, many times people just stay stuck because they just live stuck. And they don't find a way out. They don't find the hope that's in Christ. Don't let that be said of you today. Next we have, put on your feet the shoes of peace, the gospel of peace, the preparation of the gospel it's represented as protective shoes worn by Roman soldiers. You see, nobody can fight effectively if they don't have good footing. Loosey-goosey on your feet, you're going to be all over the place. You've got to be firmly footed in the shoes of peace. The gospel provides the footing for everything that we do. However powerful the rest of your body is, if you are wounded on your feet, you're easy prey for the enemy. The successes of Alexander the Great and Julius Caesar were largely in part to how the soldiers were, what they had on their feet. They had like cleat-like spikes that kept them grounded. And when they were in hand-to-hand -hand combat and warfare, they were firm. You think, I think of football or I think of, you know, whatever, uh, Latin or European football, soccer, right? They're not loosey with their shoes. They got cleats. So they can plant, move, skip, do whatever they got to do. Same thing spiritual warfare. You've got to have the shoes of the gospel on. The idea of preparation with the shoes of the gospel is the readiness. 
We must be mobile, flexible, and ready with the truth. This is a place to have in the Christian life, to live in constant readiness and flexibility. I spoke about this at the beginning of the message. Today, are you ready and aware spiritually? Or are you asleep at the wheel of your spiritual life? All right, we just have a few more verses. Uh, 16 and 17, it says, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, uh, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Above all else, basically he's saying, in addition to the previous things I mentioned, this applies to all, the other, uh, to all these pieces of armor that follow. Uh, this isn't the idea that some are more important than others. But he's telling us to take up the shield of faith. The armor of God is engaging. We must wear it at all times and we must have the foundation uh, firmly rooted in us. The truth of who God is. You know, Paul is talking about this armor that we need to be ready when it's our opportunity to do what we need to do. He says, taking up the shield of faith, able to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith here is represented as a shield of protection. You see, protecting us from these fiery darts. The demonic foes will constantly throw fiery darts at us. And we need the shield of faith to protect us. Uh, if you date it back, what it would be like is these, these soldiers would have these big shields that were like head to toe. Think of 300. You know, that movie 300 where they all huddled together or whatever. And on these shields, they would have animal skin. And these animal skins would be wet, sopping wet. So then when the fiery darts were flung and thrown, when they hit the shields, the wet, uh, the wet skin of the animal that was all over the shield would extinguish the flames. So they couldn't penetrate and hurt the men, hurt the soldiers. This is the idea here that we see with this shield of faith. Faith. The Bible is clear, without faith it's impossible to please God. So faith must be an essential part of your arsenal that you have daily in order to be covered in the blood of Christ, the protective covering of His righteousness, right? This is the same thing we see here. The Bible is clear. I already said it, I won't say it again. But it is impossible to please God without faith. Next we are to take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation... This is a cap studded that men would wear. It would be a metal piece for extra strength. Obviously, you need your head. You don't want your cranium cracked. Well, Scott, you're a football guy. How would it be back in the day? They just had leather on their heads. Before that, they didn't even wear any leather. They just cracking their heads with each other. Like, man, you guys are like barbarics. It's crazy. Now we got all these sophisticated things. Oh, you won't get a concussion. You won't get CTE. Nonetheless, they're trying to protect their domes. They're trying to protect the brain inside. Every time your head gets cracked, my wife knows. She played soccer, heading the ball. Your brain jiggles around in your skull. You mess up your, your neurons and all that good stuff. So it's saying, protect your skull with the helmet of salvation, spiritually speaking. Salvation is this kind of helmet protecting the, the essential part of your body. This helmet of salvation, I'll speak again, it speaks about fighting against the discouragement and the distractions of this world, the depression, the desire to give up, about hope loss, not knowing what's going on. This is assurance that we have in Christ, that we will triumph in Christ. One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is discouragement. When you're discouraged, Satan's trying to take you out. 
He's trying to say, no, you have no hope. No, Jesus isn't going to help for you. He's not going to come back for you. How many people in Bob? When's Jesus coming back? I thought you said he's coming back. He's not coming. That's Satan trying to discourage people. And unfortunately, some of the church are believing this false doctrine. And they're, they're being discouraged. Don't be discouraged. All right. Sword of the Spirit. We're almost done, people. Which is the Word of God. Oh, this is rich right here. I know we're going over a little bit, but don't worry. We'll be fine. The idea of the, uh, the Spirit providing a sword is the Word of God is the sword. Notice this is the only offensive weapon that we have. The sword of the Spirit. Yet, this is the only offensive weapon we need. You see, to effectively use the sword of the Spirit, we can't regard the Bible as a book of some magical charm or mysticism. You can't wear it around your neck <laughs> like it's some garlic and trying to take away a vampire. That's not how it works. We have to regard the Word of God as what it is. It is the intrinsic Word of God, unhindered by man's opinions. You see, if we are not confident in the inspiration of Scripture, then we render the sword of the Spirit useless, and it's just a book. We must take His Word for what it is. Not only did the Spirit of God give us the Scriptures, but He also makes them alive to us. He equips us with the right use of the Word of God. This is how you rightfully divide the Word of God and allow it to be effective in your life. Think of it like this. A gladiator back in the day, he would have to practice wielding his sword and how he would thrust the sword to be effective. Practice day and night so when he was ready for that fight, he would be ready to fight effectively and kill the opposition. The same way with us. If you're not wielding the Word of God, wielding, wielding, if you're not wielding the Word of God correctly, how are you going to be prepared when the attack comes your way? Again, you're going to be sagging your pants, running out naked, beat up, because you're not wielding, you're not practicing, you're not holding the sword of the Spirit the way it should be wielded or held. The application is this. Read and study the Word of God daily. This is how you practice and use the Word. By studying it, hearing it, committing it to memory. That's hiding it in your heart. This is the only way to effectively use your only offensive spiritual weapon. Lastly, notice here that all this is all of the armor. Nothing's mentioned about your back. You turn your back on the enemy, it's free pickings. I'm not saying that supernaturally the Lord can't protect you, but again, it's think about Lot's wife. She longed for that lustful, sinful society. And what happened to her? She lost. She died. She became a pillar of salt because she turned her back. Do not turn your back on the enemy. Do not turn your back on the Lord. When we willingly turn our backs on Satan, we become prime targets for his attack. All right, this is the last verse, and I'll end with this. Verse 18, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keeping a alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying always. Praying always. This is, this is rich. Group prayers, individual prayers, silent prayers, shouting prayers, walking prayers, kneeling prayers, eloquent prayers, groaning prayers, constant prayers, fervent prayers. You just need to be praying. Constantly in communication with the Lord. All right? This is what we need. 
This is what we need. The reality is this. The prayerless Christian will never accomplish anything because he or she fails to go into the battle through prayer. Remember, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities of darkness in heavenly places. We talked about that earlier. It's not a physical battle. You need to be praying. That's how you are effective in this spiritual warfare. I'm going to end with, 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 with this, uh, this statement or this quote. It's from Winston Churchill. He, he, he said this uh, to Britain in the early days of the Second World War. He said, I must drop one word of caution for next to cowardness and treachery, overconfidence leading to neglect and slothfulness is the worst wartime crimes. You see, many of us are, are lazy in this area of prayer. We need to be diligent and purposeful in our relationship with God. That way we can be effective for not only us, but for the church, the household of faith. That's what the, the, the portion of Scripture is talking about here, for the saints. We can battle spiritually not only on our behalf, but on the behalf of your brothers and sisters by consciously, prayerfully considering what's going on and being effective in the fight. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we, we thank you for uh, just these reminders, Lord. We, we want to be rooted in truth. And so we need to know how we can be effective in fighting this spiritual battle. Lord, we thank you that you've given us all of these tools to use at our disposal. It is all Jesus. We know that. And at the same time, it, 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 it's, it's, it's important for us to be active in our agreement with Christ and allowing Christ to equip us in this manner to be spiritually ready. So, Lord, may you equip us and help us to always be on guard to where it's just second nature. We don't have to overthink it. We don't have to be, you know, mesmerized by all this stuff, but we need to be aware of what's going on. So may, Lord, you continue to close, uh, clothe us, excuse me, in the person of Jesus Christ. And may we allow him with the readiness of the gospel to protect us and guard us in all things. Father, we thank you and we love you. It is in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.